Women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. Robert and Ruth are international best-selling authors and speakers and are passionate about mental wellness. Ruth is a wellness coach, has her own YouTube channel, and they have developed a program called The Renewed Mind, where you will learn tips and strategies to manage your stress before it manages you. Ruth and Robert, welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. Thank you. Thank you for We're having so us. so happy to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much. So, Robert, I would like for you to introduce Ruth. And then after that, Ruth, introduce Robert. Thank you. Okay. Well, Ruth is my wife of almost 38 years. We met in Vanderhoop, which was my first posting uh, when I was in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And uh, I, I guess that that's really the history of it. It was all about a little red, a little, sorry, a little yellow car. Uh, you have to read that in our book, I guess. I don't want to give that all away right now, but I, I went to the bank to see her about a little uh, yellow car that had been involved in an accident, and it all kind of developed from right there. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so, Ruth, introduce Robert. I met Robert in the bank, like he said, and uh, he was in the RCMP, which is Canada's federal police organization, and he served his country for 35 years and since he's retired we have a real story because he suffered with post-traumatic stress disorder and so we have journeyed into a whole new entrepreneurship through his journey with PTSD and we've we've really flourished and love entrepreneurship since our retirement in 2014 but Robert served his country and we've been married like he said for almost 38 years and we're still we, we're known to be the power couple. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations. <laughs> power you. couple. Oh, nice. So, um, so let's start with you, Ruth. Let's start with you first. Go back to your childhood. Tell me about some of the, the struggles as a child. Thank you. Struggles as a child. Um, I actually grew up in a very, very good home. Uh, some of the struggles that I had were dealing with body image from a young age because of being told something like I was fat. And uh, Mm. that was a struggle that I dealt with. And so through that, because some of your barriers are your greatest successes, I I have a whole business around physical health, eating, living a clean, healthy life and a weight loss plan, which is really a lifestyle. So, so so Ruth, how old were you when, uh, when you had that struggle with, with, um, you know, challenges with body image? Uh, it probably started around grade six and seven. And, you know, we all know the cliche sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Well, that's not true. 
sticks and stones can break your bones and, and names do go deep. They hurt you deeply. Mm. Oh, and definitely. So, yes. And so I struggled with that, but I had very loving parents. I had a great childhood. I had a great home that I grew up in. I was so fortunate for that. And it probably was in my prom year when I was dressed in my beautiful gown. And, you know, when you're all excited about graduation day and, and you're feeling so good about yourself and you're still in, inwardly struggling about body image, my father told me how beautiful I looked. Mm. <clears throat> and it kind of just made me turn the corner because, you know, I needed to let go and forgive and move right. on so I could reach my goals. Oh, and definitely. That, you know, that was just one little thing. But I grew up in a small town, so I didn't have as many opportunities as a lot of people who grew up maybe in a city of, but I had other opportunities. Like I had fun in the country. I had fun with my horse and uh, I developed good friendships. And so my childhood, it was a blessing oh, in nice. the end. And I, I conquered the, the struggle that I had of, of the body image. Right. And you know, um, a lot of women um, struggle with body image, you know, yeah. because people tend to shame them. For me, as an athlete, um, people would say I look like a man because I had huh. a lot of muscles. And, right. uh, and you know, and I, and I was ashamed of my mm. body because of that, you know, and um, so sure. people, yeah, people sometimes are, you know, the kids could be really mean, not not understanding how, you know, their, their words will affect you. And it affected me, just like how it affected you. And I'm yeah. glad that your dad said to you, you know, you look gorgeous. You're beautiful. Yes. yes. You know, and that, of course, turned things around. So, Robert, what are some of your challenges when you were young? Well, I'm like Ruth. I grew up in Newfoundland and uh, in, I grew up in a fabulous home. Uh, my dad had immigrated to Canada in 1950 from Holland. And uh, my mom was born in Newfoundland. But that was a pretty unique thing because I'm a first generation Canadian because Newfoundland became a province of Canada in 1949. And my mom, of course, was born in the British Empire. So she became a Canadian citizen as well as my dad then. And that made me a first generation Canadian, which is an interesting piece. Right, anyway, struggles. Uh, a struggle that I had, I, I don't really remember a lot of struggles in childhood, honestly. Uh, I've said to Ruth so many times in our married life, my, my fondest memories of or my biggest concern in childhood was playing with my Tonka trucks in the driveway. <laughs> and but you were very shy. I, I was very shy. So that was a struggle. It was right. a struggle. But later on, that might not have been that great because when I did become a police officer, I was a little bit naive about a lot of things. I didn't think that some of these things happened in the world just because of my upbringing. Right. And so that was a bit of a challenge for me. It really was. Right. And, and, so that you were sheltered. You were sheltered yeah, as a absolutely. child. And then, of course, um, you know, you became a police officer in Canada. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Um, RCMP, right? Correct. Okay. And so where, 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 were you, where were you located? Well, I did all my service in British Columbia. My first okay. posting was in Ruth's hometown in Vanderhoof, okay. which is the geographical center of British Columbia. Right. Oh, so should, I, I, I live in Calgary too. Oh. I, live in, I live in Calgary, so I know. Okay. okay. Roof and yeah, and BC, and you know. Right. Uh, so right now I'm in Calgary. So oh, you're there now. I am. Yes, I'm in Calgary. Oh. So tell me what some because so Robert, you said you talked about being naive. So what were some of the things, issues that happened that 
open your eyes and, and actually force you to learn? Well, that's a multiplicity of things. And there's a lot of things I wouldn't want to discuss on the podcast here because no one, no one really needs to see or hear those things. But it struck me um, the lack of respect that people have for one another. And no matter, it didn't really matter what race or what color, that was irrelevant. It just uh, that I couldn't really believe that for a very long time. How people treated each how, other. How people treated each other. Yeah. Like the abuse. He's talking about abuse. Abuse that he saw and the real gory things that no one should talk about or no one should have to witness. Correct. But they do. They we do. do as police officers, there's no doubt. And oh, not sure. police officers, first responders. Yeah. Right. And yeah, of course you guys do an amazing job because um, you know, our society wouldn't work well without you guys. You know, keeping well, absolutely. And, and we are so blessed in Canada because, you know, we have very little corruption in this country relatively. Yes. And so we can live our lives almost as, as like we want to, except right now we're a little bit hamstrung. We have to stay home, but that's okay. Right. That's for our benefit and safety too. Oh, definitely. I was, I'm, I'm so proud of our prime minister. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, he's just on top of things and it's, you know, it's refreshing and, and he seems really care. He seems like he can really care about his people. And I love that. Yes. yes that's right. A good quality. And, and he has done a good job. I'm very happy. He's listened to his advisors yes. and that we're moving it forward because that is really great. Oh, definitely. I love his daily update. I just, and you know, I think it's awesome. Because, yes, you know, right. it gives it gives his people confidence that, look, that, you know, the, the, the premise of the head of this is he cares he, and he's, he's listening to his advisor, his advisors and yeah. he's actually helping he's doing everything he can to help us Canadians. Yeah. So that's awesome. So, Robert, I'm going to go back to Absolutely. when you, you were. Um, what are some of the challenges in high school? Uh you know, the one thing that does come to my mind is, uh, although I liked sports, I never was really good at sports. And so being always picked last on a team was, was a bit of a challenge. There's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, I, had, I had other skills that were really good and I've used all my life. Like I'm, I can fix anything at all. Uh, and I am a, a mechanic and that was what I started out doing. So everything mechanical and all those kind of things, I, I really love and flourish at that. But sports uh, has been a challenge for me. Right. Okay, so fast forward now, as a young adult, what were some of the other challenges that um, faced you guys? <laughs> there were many. <laughs> I think I want to speak up right here and say that being a policeman kind of puts you at a different level. Um, you don't want people to see you doing anything wrong. Right. So your integrity has to be higher. Your, you know, I, I use the, the word, you have to be above reproach, even though you're human, just like everyone else. Yes. You make the same mistakes. Right. But people, if you make a mistake, people look at you like, well, why are you doing that? Oh, definitely. As a police officer, I mean, like people look up and, and, and you guys are well respected in the community. And so you're right, you can't do anything wrong. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> people are going to, especially if you live in a small town. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happened. Like, yeah. he was, I, I mean, we got, he, we met in my hometown and we were married there. And I was related to lots of people in the yeah. town. So he would be stopping them and they would get upset at me. 
Oh, <laughs> that, was a that was a big challenge. And until we actually asked for a transfer because it just wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, because, you know, nobody's perfect and you can't always be living your life, you know, looking over your shoulders. <laughs> even if he was no. stopping people and he would be giving out tickets because, you know, back then there was charges for, well, let's say drugs. Let's just say use, you know, illicit drugs. Mm -hmm. And if he would be giving tickets for stuff like that, people were like, well, why is he giving me a ticket? You know, can't, can't I have a break because I'm related to his wife. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and so those struggles are difficult. They and, are really tough. And really we had tough. to, we had to ask for a transfer because it was just happening too many times. And, and then also we had some issues in our, in the family too. We, our first little baby girl there, Cindy, she had uh, health issues. Yeah, and, severe and, health issues. And that was a struggle because we're far away from, well, the experts in Vancouver or wherever that was. Right. So yeah, that, those were some real challenges in those early days. Mm -hmm. They definitely were. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, and not only that, as we move a little bit forward in our lives, every transfer was exciting or every move was exciting, but it was very challenging. Yes. When you have children and you, you rip them out of their environment, their friendships, they are not very happy with you as a parent. Right. And it's, it was really difficult to move our children time and time again. Oh, some people oh. really, some people just kind of, it's easy for them. They flourish, yeah, in, they the, flourish in, that in, in new environments, but our children, it was very difficult for them. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, children, they want, they want stability. Yeah. And uh, if you, you know, because of your job, you're moving from place to place, that's, that's difficult to do. Right. But, but in a way they, um, you know, did they adjust? Yes. Well, that's been really, uh, it was a barrier at that time, but that's been, you know, sometimes your great, your biggest barriers or your obstacles are your, the greatest things in your lives because it's made them all outgoing now and stronger, and, and stronger in that sense. Compared to what you were, <laughs> Robert. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. yeah, that's right. Much, yeah, that's that's very true. So mm. definitely. So you guys are amazing. You're authors and speakers. So tell me more about them. Um, your speaking business and and um, your books. Well, well, there you go. I'll just start by saying that after I retired, mm -hmm. well, no, let me let me back up just a little bit. Ruth and I have been entrepreneurs our whole lives. Uh, we've had multiple businesses, but we had a, a curves gym and uh, we I've always worked at home and had had small businesses. Ruth was always into um, internet marketing and, and network, marketing. network marketing. So we've always liked that a lot. And we always, uh, every year we set a challenge before ourselves and we get there at the a end goal. of the year. We have a goal. That's just <laughs> how we've lived our lives. Anyway, uh, after I retired from policing in 2014, uh, in a very short time, I was very sick. I had PTSD, or I have it still. Which is post-traumatic stress, stress disorder. disorder. So, yeah. And uh, by February, January and February 2015, I, I just about committed suicide because I, I couldn't understand it. It just didn't add up in my head, going from totally healthy and, and able to look after everything to totally dysfunctional. Right. So with dysfunction, I want the listener to know that like he was in bed, he couldn't decide 
whether he should get up. He didn't know what to eat. He didn't know what to wear. He was like totally dysfunctional, unable to cope with the daily activities of living. Wow. He went from a very strong, healthy guy to, you know, from one end of the mental health continuum, optimal mental wellness to the complete opposite end, complete dysfunction. Yeah. Wow. And so Ruth, how did you manage that? Well, it was very, very difficult. And in fact, it began to bring me down as well, because I explain it like we were living, if you've ever followed behind a, a truck going up a hill mm -hmm. and they shift gears, a big semi truck, you see this puff of black smoke. Well, I talk about our house being like that puff of black smoke. That's what our, our lives were like. We were living in darkness. Wow. And it was very, very dark and very lonely. <clears throat> and I started going down too until I realized I needed to look after myself so that I could continue to look after Robert. Mm. And right. so, you know, like we said earlier, our greatest obstacles become our greatest successes. And we turned that around and I felt this calling from God deep within me that we were going through this process for a reason. Yes. There was a purpose. And so I have, we have a belief, a deep faith in God. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that we were supposed to speak out about this right. and that we would speak out about it. And so what I did in, thankfully, I, I reached out to a psychologist. Well, first of all, I got to back up and say, I'm very fortunate that I discovered that he was thinking about committing suicide. That was a fluke that I discovered it. How did you discover that? Well, he was researching a lot on the internet, you know, because he didn't want to leave me with a mess, put it that way. And so I discovered it by, like, I'm very good at communication and, and I had to be our whole life because he was a cop. So in order, you know, I knew that I had to deal with stress very early on in, in our marriage. And we have many stories, many cop stories to tell, but, and they are in our books. But I knew early on that I needed to learn how to deal with my stress. And so I would drag him out for walks all the time. And we would, I call it walking and talking, because when you're walking, I would start to, you know, dig things out of him and get some information and get him talking about his stress so that he could release his stress. And so I was pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. But um during that dark, dark time, I reached out to the psychologist and I, after I, I saw that he was researching on the internet, I found that. And I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure my husband's struggling with post-traumatic stress. Like he had been going downhill for a while, but we had had no training, none whatsoever about anything to do with mental wellness or the signs and symptoms to look out for. Like mm -hmm. he didn't have any of that none. in his whole career. Wow. And so our psychologist, when I, when I phoned him, I said, I think he's going to commit suicide. Can you see him? And he said, I'll see him immediately. And it, that was a turning point because from there on, we went and saw health clinicians, but it's, his, it's the psychologist that really prompted him and enabled him to see a different perspective and there's a line that he always goes back to, and I'll let him share that. Well, he said to me, maybe in the second or third visit, 
he said, Bob, you need to know it's not your fault. And, and that was a very defining moment for me because I had all this mess in my head. I still have lots of mess up there. But that was a very defining moment and a very defining statement for me. So I would say that to any of your listener, listeners mm -hmm. too, that if they're struggling with any kind of mental challenges, whether that's from post-traumatic stress or whatever it is, it's not your fault. Right. It isn't your fault. And, and there is always help. There's people you can reach out to and people who can come and, and assist you to, to move you forward. And you're never alone. Never alone. Right. That's There's another thing. other people that feel the same as you do. Right. There's yeah. always support. You just have yeah. to find it. Reach, yes. reach out because, um, because uh, Ruth, if you didn't um, tap into what's going on with Robert, you wouldn't have known that he's suicidal. Right. No, I wouldn't. So, no. so thank God for those walks and he was a, and he opened up to you. But you know, God always turned our mess into a message. So how did you turn that mess into your message? That's a good question. Um, thank you for letting us share this because as he continued to improve, and it was a very long process, it was a difficult couple of years. But he, like I was an entrepreneur at heart, and he even though he couldn't think well, I knew I had to take care of myself. And so what I did is I did take care of myself. I actually, this might sound really funny, but I needed to have some joy and laughter in my life. So I went and worked outside the home in a fast food place so that I could work with teenagers so I could laugh with them. Right. They oh, that's sweet. That's they good. didn't know my story. So I walked in there, and I left my problems, you know, outside the door. And when I walked in, I was bubbly and happy with them. And I could, you know, have a little bit of joy until I went home again. But right. that joy was taking care of myself. Yes. Definitely. Because you know what? You have to make sure that your cup is full. Because if your cup is empty, you can't help your, your husband at that time. Oh, no. yes, so I'm true. glad that you took, you went out and you, you realize that because a lot of people don't realize that they need to replenish themselves, to have some joy in their life. So I'm glad you actually did that. Yes. And then what we did was we partnered with his psychologist. And so we're very fortunate that the psychologist loved what our message was to reach out and help people with post-traumatic stress or mental illness or just understanding struggles in life so he partnered with us and we built an online program called the renewed mind and it is about understanding wellness it's about mental fitness and i always say exercising your mental fitness is just as important as exercising your physical That's fitness right. like you're right. a sprinter Yes. But you know, as sprinting, you had to work on your mind too. Definitely, definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah, and so I—that's what I love about it. It's—it's it's, there's steps and strategies for your mind, just like there are when you're trying to get physically fit. Right. You need to be mentally fit. So we built this program, and it is helping hundreds of people. And it's just—it's an easy to understand. It's a user-friendly. It's easy to navigate. He built it in a way that anyone can understand and learn about mental wellness. Right. So well, it makes me think of a line from, I believe it's attributed to Henry Ford, but whether you think you can or whether you think you cannot, you're absolutely right. You're definitely right. And, and, you, so, and so uh, there is people who've been convinced, and however that happens, that they can't get 
mentally well, right? And and that's really unfortunate, whatever you know that that amounts to. But I I like to turn that around and say exactly like Henry Ford: if you think you can, then you can. You could get step a step better every day. Right. There is hope. There is hope. So one little uh, a quarter of a degree today in a year is big. Oh, for sure, definitely. So, so what are some of the steps um, that you can share with us? Well, it starts by examining what mental health, health is mm-hmm. and, and explaining some of the symptoms that uh, people go through. And uh, there, there's, um, is it the six modules on that, I believe it is. Yeah, it's broken down. There's 18, 18 modules, modules in the course and six of them are understanding mental wellness. And we first explain that mental fitness means having a positive sense of how you think, how you feel, and how you act, which gives you the ability to improve your life. Yeah. And when you improve your life, you can live a happy, healthy life, but you have to choose to to do that. And that's a key word. You have to choose. Yeah. Because if you don't choose, you you have to choose to be happy. You got to choose to change your life. I want to change your life. And then, and then you have to put things into action. Yes. And 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 that's how you end up, um, you know, you know, moving ahead. Yes. So phase two then is about, well, mental wellness and some of the things that you can take on and learn like meditation, learning to be in the present moment. I I can't think of all the tips and strategies on coping with stress. Yes. And then the last six modules are about finding your why, finding your purpose in life again. Yes. Because when you're so down and out, you have to have a reason to get up. Yes. Absolutely right. But we love what Les Brown says. If you fall down and you look up, you can get up. That's you can right. get up. I love that. I love I that quotation. Yeah. I love Les Brown. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah, you got to be hungry. You got to be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We listen to a lot of Les Brown lot oh. of his motivation and his laughter because laughter is a medicine yes is. Mm-hmm. he is he is amazing he's been doing it for so long so you guys work um with les brown or you've taken courses from him tell me about how les brown inspires you guys well he really inspires us we haven't actually taken his courses we've just watched lots of his videos we've taken bob proctor's courses and we've taken uh, dr joe vitale's courses and Raymond Aaron's courses and James McNeil's, we take a lot of courses to better our self-development. Right. But with Les Brown, what we did after, um, after Robert got a little bit better, we went to a speaker and communication workshop in Vancouver and we're from Kamloops. So that's a four hour drive. And we were there for the weekend taking this course. And in that course, there were a couple of people that were able to volunteer to give a one minute speech. And so I jumped up (laughs) because I knew that I had to share my story. And, you know, I'd had, like I told you earlier, I had the calling that when he was really sick, I knew I needed to get my story. in. So I jumped up and I was one of the six people that spoke uh, at that thing for just one minute but I moved the audience to tears in one minute. Wow. That takes skill and talent. (laughs) Well, it was just me speaking from the heart because I was telling the story in a little bit of detail, just 
that he was ready to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Like it's devastating. Yes. It is a devastating story. Right. But after that, um, the speaker, the facilitator of that course told me that I needed to be a speaker. And so that's how my speaking career began by me taking and stepping out of my comfort zone, jumping up and saying, I'm going to do it. My heart was racing. I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to, because I had the calling. I knew it was my purpose. Right. And so from there, I got more training and I got more education on how to speak. And then I spoke, I shared the stage with Les Brown in Houston, Texas. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's an honor to share the stage with Les Brown. Yes. It really was an honor. Wow. Yes, I'm blessed. Wow. So how yeah. long have you been speaking for? Uh, just a couple of years now. And, you know, it, I've shared the stage with other speakers like Bob Proctor and Dr. Joe Vitale, like right. we said, Raymond Aaron. I haven't had big major audiences, like they're probably about 300. But my story really resonates with people because I, I tell stories from, like we share both perspectives. Right. right. And Definitely. so I share my story as a caregiver and how it affected me. And I share stories about how ill he was, but together with a culmination of heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Yes. Together, we did it. Yeah, we won. Together, You're yeah, here as leaders. You yeah. won. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And so, so, what, so what is your passion? My passion, I have a few passions. My passion is to help people around the globe to become mentally well, yeah. to understand that, you know, you and I are both on this mental wellness continuum. It's a line and it's fluid. It changes because stress shows up whether we want it to or not. That's right. Stress shows up. Right now we're in stress. The world is in a stress pandemic. Definitely, yes. So we're all on this line somewhere. That's right. And so optimal mental wellness is at one end and dysfunction is at the other. But when signs and symptoms of stress affect your life, it causes you to have a lack of optimal mental wellness. So you move down that line. And you and I both need to know how to be resilient Mm -hmm. and bounce back from stress. Right. And you're doing that. You're bouncing back. You're, you're working. You're giving to the people. You're blessing people with your presence. Right. Definitely. We're all doing that. Yeah. So, so Robert, how do you decrease your stress? Well, I don't have very much stress now. I'm retired. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I'm retired. Yes, you're retired. I'm retired. Retired. Um, uh, you know, I have a real passion like Ruth does too, to help people with mental wellness. And for me, it goes a little bit deeper. I'm really, I have a real heart for first responders because one of the things that speaks to me so loud and clear is that uh, PTSD and mental dysfunction, because I don't like mental illness really, that, that doesn't define it properly, right. but mental dysfunction it has no borders. It doesn't matter if you're a policeman in Houston, Texas, or San Bernardino, California, Kamloops, British Columbia, or, or London, England. Right. It's the same thing. Definitely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of paradoxes with mental illness or dysfunction. 
and, and I'll just talk about one really quickly, if that's okay. Yes, yes, it is. Go ahead. Uh, you know, one of the things is you like to isolate yourself. You know, you don't want to talk about it. And, but on the other side, that's the thing you need to do the very most. You need to talk to others so you can, you know, define your perspective, define where you need to be. Anxiety is the same way, and there's so many other pieces of that. So, yeah, my passion is to uh, help with first responders, and we've had a lot of opportunities there, too. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, you know, doing a lot of things uh, to try and move our, our course forward. Because what you face there so many times is people think they can't. Yeah. And however that, had, that thought process has come into their head, well, like we discussed earlier, that's exactly where you'll be. If you think you can't, that's probably right. Definitely. So it's, a mindset, it's a mindset shift right. so that, we, we, that needs to happen. Right. We really want to work on, <clears throat> on your mindset and, and, you know, where you want to take your life. But I just want to add here that, like, Robert's a first responder with post-traumatic stress, but women are actually the number one people in the world who mm -hmm. have PTSD yes and it's the majority of it is from sexual and physical abuse yeah that's and sad so it's very sad it is yeah. and so our course encompasses like it's it's for anyone yeah. anyone struggling with an issue our right. psychologist partnered with us and and we wrote it together so that everyone could understand it and learn and grow it's not all these big fancy words that people don't relate to definitely it's, it's more experiential although he explains it really, really well. Yes. Right. So you and take so people, you, you take people where they're at and you speak to them at their level. And yes. that's what people are looking for. For anyone out there struggling um, with mental health issues, um, you know, go to esmelawrence.com and I'm going to put a link there um, for the course so that, because you're a blessing and you can help a lot of people. Robert and, and Ruth, you can help a lot of people. So I'm going to help you to spread your message to so what would you like you guys like to share with our audience today well i'm just going to start by saying that for your listeners we got a real deal today and ruth is going to just talk about that go ahead if, if, but they need to take action that's yeah. uh, when you were learning to be a sprinter i'm sure you heard that many times you that's have right. to take action and if you don't decide <clears throat> to do it well, here's, a, here's a, a visual picture. If you don't take action within four seconds of making a decision, you'll begin to talk yourself out of it. Sometimes we're our worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's absolutely right. So, Ruth, go ahead. Well, I would just say that if you have any stress in your life, which right now you do, this course is for you. Mm -hmm. Because managing your stress, that's what you need to do before your stress manages you. Yes. Because when your stress starts to manage you, you begin to have headaches. You begin to not be able to sleep. And losing sleep is the worst thing for your body, for your immune system. Your body needs rest. And you just continue to go down the line. And so you need to be able to manage that stress and cope with it and, and get it before it's at dysfunction. Right. And so understanding what the signs and symptoms even are is so important. Even if it's not for yourself, it's for your loved ones. Learn to understand what you can do and what to look for, because we didn't know that. And if we had known that, 
may have been different. Yes, yeah. and so we have a fabulous, thank you for allowing us to, uh, and thank you for spreading our message. Oh, we... definitely, it's a pleasure. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Sprinting to Success podcast. I'm going to, so I, as I said earlier, we're going to put um, the link um, for, for Robert and Ruth on esmelawrence.com. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and have an amazing day. We're sprinting, sprinting to, to success, success with Esme, Esme Lawrence. Lawrence. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much. You guys are amazing. I, I love your story. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to esmelawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.